0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Inking Out Loud podcast. This time on the show, we're finishing up Lyrial by Garth Nix. I am, as always, your host, Drew McCaffrey, and Lauren McCaffrey is here again.
1: Hey, guys.
0: Before we head into the episode itself, a quick reminder that we're on Patreon. Support for the show there helps keep the lights on and gives you access to all kinds of fun bonus content, such as exclusive episodes, original fiction, and more. And as a reminder, the Aquamancer's Gem is available now on Amazon. I'm planning on a series of short story releases this year, with a second coming later in February, so keep your eyes peeled for that. We pick up Lyriel, as the titular character emerges from her journey into the depths of the Claire's Glacier, having acquired three ancient artifacts held in keeping just for her. But she's immediately found by the other Claire, who have finally had a vision about her. She's rushed to the observatory where she's brought into the vision and sees Nick helping Hedge direct legions of the dead as they excavate the lightning trap. She's then given more gifts, including an ancient blade from the Claire and sent on her way to fulfill the vision. On the way, however, she runs into Sam, who, having narrowly escaped an attack by the dead uh, with the help of Mogget, is floating in the Raderlin in a tub. Lyriel helps stabilize Sam, and along with a disreputable dog in Mogget, they head south down the Ratterland toward the Abhorsen's house. At Highbridge, they're attacked by free magic constructs and narrowly escape. Further down the river, they run into a mob of the dead, being overseen by Clore of the Mask, brought back from death as one of the greater dead. Together, they manage to drive her off, but fail to save any of the Sutherland refugees she was attacking. They finally arrive at the Abhorsen's house, where they receive a message from Elamir, bathe, and sit down for a conversation over lunch. It is here that Moggett and the Sendings reveal that Lyriel, not Sam, is the Abhorsen in waiting. But Sam still has a role yet to play. And the book closes with Nick writing a letter to Sam, but his letter is destroyed after his body is taken over by a creature of great power who has been directing Hedge all along.
1: Alright, here we go.
0: Yep. Yep. So, at long last, I have finished Lyria.
1: She's <laughs> Louise Drew.
0: Um, I want to first ask you: Do you like this book more than Sabriel? Uh,
1: that seems like an unfair question.
0: <laughs> 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 Why? <What? laughs> Is this like asking you to pick your favorite child or something like that? Kind of. Pick your favorite one of the golden retrievers your family's had over the years.
1: It will never happen. <laughs> it will ne- no, absolutely not. Hmm. Yeah, maybe, maybe like that. Ah, uh, uh, I don't like the question. Can you rephrase it?
0: <laughs> no. I'm just curious because uh, I, I think I do have an opinion on this and I think I like Sabriel a little more. Why? It was a more satisfying overall story. So this uh, this book definitely has a little bit of middle book syndrome going on. Um,
1: you mean because of the ending?
0: Yeah, it, yeah. There's no real conclusion in this book there's a little bit of conclusion to the character arcs for uh, Lyrial and Sam in the sense of Lyrial gets closure on whether or not she's ever going to have the sight, and Sam gets closure in terms of he dodges the responsibility of being the Abhorsen and shirking his duty uh, of reading the Book of the Dead and learning. But, despite that their character arcs are nowhere near over uh and and the plot itself is like we just stopped like there's no conclusion here um whereas sabriel is a a tightly structured fast-paced complete narrative
1: yeah so i i've said this a few times to you drew i have a really hard time Remembering where this book ends and Abhorson begins, and which events happen in which book.
0: Oh, interesting. And I, I don't know I if think, you have said this to me before.
1: Oh, maybe not in those words. Okay. Uh, but it's become really clear to me. Like that's probably why is because the ending is not strong here. Yeah, it and just so stops. So it they end. The events blend in my mind, and mm-hmm. I have almost said spoilers to you because i get really (laughs) confused on you know which things win or like oh yeah you already know this oops no you don't okay
0: (laughs) yeah you did you did have a couple of those like uh last week sometime you asked me what do you think the first thing lyriel's gonna go back into the past to look at is and i was like she can do that
1: I was like, you already know she had the book.
0: And I was like, yeah, no.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Dang.
0: That um, uh, it was definitely in this part of the book that we find out about her powers as a Remembrancer, and and her unique. Uh, I I will say once she went into um, went into death and looked up the vision. I was like, oh, okay, so she's Sabriel's sister. Yeah. And and that means she's. Going to be an Abhorson instead of Sam, so the like I kind of saw the this like ending revelation coming a couple miles away, uh, and that may also have played into why I was a little unsatisfied with the end of this book, just because it was not shocking at all. I don't know the other the other thing that style wise held me back from enjoying this book as much as Sabriel. Was so. Nix has been doing this all along. Uh, he he makes liberal use of an omniscient narrator. He'll just head hop within scenes.
1: Yeah, we uh, saw that with the he, disreputable dog. He
0: did it a little bit in Sabriel, sometimes jumping into like Mogget's head for a minute or a scene where Touchstone and Sabriel are together. We we would get a little bit from both of them, but overwhelmingly that book was from Sabriel's point of view mm-hmm. here with Mogget, the disreputable dog, Sam and Lirial all in close quarters for the last, you know, couple hundred pages of the book. It was constant and it did get on my nerves. Uh, oh, really? It, yeah. It, it just, this is me being a very modern reader uh-huh. uh, because this sort of thing was a lot more common 25 30 40 years ago uh this is a i had the same issue with dune uh by frank herbert there the first time i tried to read it the head hopping drove me nuts and then i eventually picked it back up
1: yeah but this is nowhere near like that
0: i um, i kind of think it is actually in fact as as dune went on i thought it calmed down whereas in this book it ramped up uh and, and that's a little bit of a symptom of it being such a small world where he doesn't spend a lot of time with developing side characters. So if we're going to spend time with a character, they're going to be important. And the plot dictates well, all the important characters have to get together. Mm. And then he feels the, the need to spend time with all of these important characters, despite them all being in the same scene. And if he's going to to do that, it's a lot more unwieldy and would lead to bloat, story bloat, if he has to rewrite the same scene from four points of view. Yeah. Whereas if he can just head hop, then he just bounces around and writes the scene once. Um, so there there are reasons for it, but it is jarring to me as a reader, and I don't particularly like that narrative style.
1: I'm not sure why it's not jarring to me. I did feel it more in Dune. But maybe that's because you told me and so I expected it. That could be. And here, I mean, I read this for the first time at hmm. age 12 or something.
0: Long before you met me.
1: Yeah. So, <laughs> like, a- everything I read here is just normal. Yeah. I, d- I don't know. I-, I will say, Drew, one thing I've realized in this reread um, and as we play our D and D campaign, so mm-hmm. I have had a really hard time um, playing my character Sabriel because she's she's in in Sabriel she's go go go. You you don't have a whole lot of time for her development slash personality. Like you see her. Her, her core character, but you right. don't get the details. And that makes it really hard for me to know what to do as her when we're in like quiet moments or when I'm, right. you know.
0: Yeah. We, we talked about this a little bit on the first Lirial episode that like getting to see Sabriel from a remove uh, and, and older. W- provided a lot more insight into her character than we necessarily got in Sabriel, which now, is interesting as. Yeah. You know. Right
1: now. Now in contrast, we get a ton more from Lyriel, and she would be a lot easier for me to play because mm-hmm. I
0: know her well. Yeah. We get a lot more interiority with her. Uh-huh. Uh, part of that I think is this is just playing a longer book. Um, Oh, I guess so. Like, It's probably 40% 40 longer than, or 40% again, as long as Sabriel. I think Sabriel was a little over 500, and this one's a little over 700 pages. Yeah. So, uh, there's just a lot more room. And it really is a different kind of story. Only the last couple hundred pages of this have anything like the pace of... Uh, of basically all of Sabriel. Yeah. Sabriel, from the inciting incident of uh, the Abhorsen sending, you know, his his delivery to her in Wyverly College, from that moment on, it's just breakneck. Yeah. There's there's barely time to catch your breath for the entire book.
1: Yeah, which is why, like, she can't really mm, just be. Like, we Mm. don't have character time right.
0: like sabriel altogether that that book is probably what 9 or 10 days uh i don't I, I think we talked about it on the sabriel episode i don't remember what the number we arrived on was but this this book spans 5 years yeah you know there there's a huge difference in the way time is dealt with in in lyriel versus sabriel yes and that allows for a lot more quiet moments, introspective moments.
1: Mm-hmm. And and we have more characters.
0: Uh, we do. Yeah, Sabriel, like I described it as a, this really tight-knit narrative. Yeah. It's really pretty much just Sabriel, Touchstone, and Mogget for the entire time.
1: And our antagonist. But we don't... We don't know him. Yeah.
0: yeah. The the characters were following and were given like time and space to to get to know are just those three and then right. in this one we have the dog added in mm-hmm. we have Liriel Sam uh, and Mogget again but we also have Elamir we also have Nick Yep. Hedge gets a lot more time as an antagonist here than Karagor ever did in, right you know uh, plus there's some time spent on Touchstone and Sabriel. Yeah. So.
1: And and we even have, like, I don't know, some time with the guards.
0: There's more time spent with uh, Sanar and Rael in the Claire. That's right. They show up in, like, one two-page-long scene in Sabriel. Here, they get a lot more time.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, you've got her, Liriel's aunt, and her, her great-great-grandmother. Right. Yeah.
0: Well, who gets an mother. entire chapter to talk to her, basically.
1: Yeah, Silrus who I want to pop up in another book.
0: So speaking of other books, um, this is a style point. Okay. So the first, the first book is called Sabriel. The second book is called Lyriel. The third book is just called Abhorsen. Yeah. Which is interesting, especially given that I know the titles of other books in this world being Clariel and Tersiel and Eleanor. And boy, after the end of this Golden book. Golden hand. Uh, yeah. But at the end of this book, we find out that Tersiel is the name of Sabriel and Lyriel's father. Correct. Which makes me immediately think, okay, so Eleanor is Sabriel's mother. Yeah? Yes. Uh, so that one's a prequel, obviously, but I Correct. I do think it's, it's interesting that in this original trilogy, the first two books are named after individual characters. And the third one is named a title. Yes. And we have three characters who have relationships with that title being Sabriel, Sam and Liriel.
1: For Sam, it's family. We know that now.
0: Uh, I have some theories about Sam. I have some <laughs> theories about lots of things after this book. <laughs> uh,
1: Do you want to still stay in style,
0: though? Yeah, we we are we are on style. Um, uh, yeah, so having having this outlier of a title for book three i want to go into the book expecting something different but also knowing how this book ends and presumably you know we're dealing with the same conflict in apphorson we we gotta rescue Nick we gotta stop hedge we gotta uh stop the uh uh the italian named coralini de- coralini thank you I kept wanting to say Coriolis and I was like, nope, that is definitely not it. <laughs> um Cannoli. Uh, <laughs> True. <laughs> uh and, and then all this wrapped up into the ninth. We gotta stop the ninth. Or mm-hmm. Oranis, I think the name was. You're correct. Yeah. Uh
1: do you want me to read it?
0: No, you don't have to. The, the song at the end of the book that yeah. he sings. Uh, that was a good scene. That was a very good scene. Um, the, so, so basically I want to go into the next book with the expectation that the title is going to signify a shift, but I don't see how that could be given where the story just stopped at the end of Lyrial.
1: When you say Shift. What do you mean?
0: Like, if Lyriel and Sabriel had felt like stylistically similar books, if if Lirial was also a like a breakneck, fast paced, short time span book, I might expect that there's a a more like a, a time jump to Abhorsen, or like going into these, reading through them, I totally expected it was going to be like Sabriel was like her story, uh-huh. Lyriel was going to be her story and then like there was a time skip in between, there was going to be another time skip and then Abhorsen was going to be some concluding story. Uh uh and and very clearly that expectation was not correct.
1: Okay, I see what you mean. Um I mean, I could say that there's the title and I would say there is a shift in a way. Hmm. The title makes sense to me. Okay. Um, and of course it's called like the and trilogy.
0: Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. O- Old Kingdom is the title for all the books. And right. then this is the and trilogy.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, I don't know if I have anything else style wise that I, I need to bring up. Could probably go right on into characters.
1: Oh, okay. Where do you want to start?
0: Uh, Lyriel.
1: Okay. So,
0: I I still like her the most
1: of um, any character.
0: Uh, probably
1: more than Sabriel.
0: Maybe. Maybe more than Sabriel. Uh, certainly she's my favorite character in this book. It's hard for me to say I like her for sure more than Sabriel when I don't have her full arc in front of me.
1: Sabriel's full arc? Or, or Lyriel's? Lyriel's. Well, I guess. Well,
0: Sabriel's yeah. an adult. She's been doing her thing as person for forever.
1: She's not changing. You're um, right. You're right.
0: So. the The revelations at the end did not surprise me but they were still appropriate. Uh, I, I, I did really like that scene just for the kind of the vibe of it. <laughs> uh, it, it was it was executed really well in a strange way because it, it, it could be easy to have a lot of whiplash in all the emotion of that scene. And I didn't get that whiplash. I, I thought it worked.
1: I feel, um, I feel, I don't know, I feel the emotions of them of them both mm-hmm. And you're right. like that that could have been shallow and I don't think it was, I think it came across the way it was supposed to.
0: Like I liked how she didn't cry at first. You know, she goes and hugs the dog and, and thinks about how she just feels kind of hollow about it. And then it's not until she turns and looks and sees all the sendings and they bow to her that she starts crying.
1: Uh, yeah. Which which makes sense to me. Like, the, in the shock of things, people react differently.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it's like uh, she she has this sadness to her. That's always been with That's her. That's always been with her. And and this is sort of like the final nail in the coffin of that sadness. And so this is an emotion she's used to, even if it's she's not used to the extremity of it. But what breaks the dam is a new emotion being added on top.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, she, she has carried her burden for a very long time and- it's comfortable because it's familiar, mm-hmm. and and now you're adding a responsibility. And um, like she, like she kind of says, "I can't ever be isolated again." Yeah, I have a duty, and now she she sees the evidence of that duty with all these sendings. Mm-hmm. looking to her mm-hmm. and I think in that way it reflects the people all of the people that will look to her
0: yeah yeah and and so I I like where her arc is going she still has a, a little tinge of melancholy to her which I like Sabriel was just so like upbeat all the time yeah yeah uh like sabriel to to use a, a classic metaphor sabriel's a bonfire right like she's she's just blazing and lyriel feels much more like a quiet candle you know in in the night
1: slow i, I like coal more like slow burning coal a like coal
0: yeah yeah i'm, I'm picturing much, like maybe
1: hotter but like
0: when I think of Lirial in this metaphor, I think of like your your classic, um, you know, like, uh, uh, like, like a turn of the century story of a child sneaking through the house at night carrying their little tray candle. with a candle in it.
1: Uh, see, I, I think of like the hidden coal at the bottom of the fire hmm. that's surprisingly hot and strong but okay. you don't notice until it's until you notice.
0: Okay. Yeah. Uh Sam though. Okay. I, I like Sam less now than I did midway through the book. Really? Uh I I I kind of don't like how his arc ended. It felt so much like a dodge. Like His, his struggle, this entire (laughs) book was, you know, an unwillingness and a fear of his responsibilities. And then he doesn't overcome them. He doesn't overcome that fear. He just gets a get out, get out of jail free card.
1: Mm, He didn't though.
0: I mean, he still has to like, you know, uh, engage in the conflict he still has to find his <laughs> his legacy but the specific conflict he had throughout this book got no resolution in a satisfying manner for me
1: Are you are you finished with Lariel completely do you want to go fully into Sam
0: Yeah Yeah Like it it, it just <clears throat> didn't land for me that well he just Asks Liriel, do you think I'm a coward? And she says no. And he's just like, oh, okay, then I'm not a coward. You
1: you think that's the end of it?
0: Well, no. Here? Obviously not, because there's another book. No, no, I mean in this book. Well, yes, because that's the last thing that happens with him in this book.
1: (laughs) Okay, there's a hint here. Um... No, it's
0: more I mean, than it. I have a prediction about him where I think things are going forward. But
1: do you want to say it before I
0: Sure. Say more? It's it's in the surcoat that the sendings gave him just like the one they gave to her. Yeah. He's he is somehow tied to the wall charter rather than the Abhorsen charter. Not He's a maker. Like that's that's his whole thing is he's good with charter magic and creating these like me- mechanized uh things like the the frog or or the tennis players and things like that. He's a builder. But
1: you might say a uh, wallmaker like yeah the wallmakers of old?
0: Yes, that's yeah. exactly yeah. what I said. Yeah, who saying.
1: all gave their lives?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and remember how I made a prediction in the first half of this book?
1: I don't remember which year. Mm-hmm. Which one are you talking about?
0: That I could see him dying.
1: So, the sendings, right, don't make mistakes? Correct. And they dug up this coat.
0: Mm-hmm. Just and like they did for Liria.
1: And it's the coat of the wallmaker.
0: Well, it's it's a quartered coat. It has the royal line and the wall line. Yep. As Lyriels has the Claire and the Aphorson. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: Because they gave it to him because yes. he is a wallmaker.
0: Yeah, that was my prediction.
1: Well, we've confirmed it with the with this scope.
0: I don't know if it's a confirmation. It's certainly not written as a confirmation. All the focus in that scene is on Lyriel and that revelation... And Sam plays it off as they got the wrong code. Yep. Yeah. But...
1: That's who he is.
0: M- sure. I'm just saying the way Garth Nix wrote that scene is not a tacit confirmation in the same way he wrote Lyriel being confirmed as the Abhorsen and Waking.
1: And I will say it's interesting... That Mogget says, I told them what to get.
0: Yes. I was actually kind of surprised he said that.
1: I was too at the time because I thought it was um, an innate sending thing. Yeah,
0: same. Like they just sensed the blood. They sensed the the power in in their spirits.
1: Which it kind of seems like in Sabriel. So I don't know if this is Mm -hmm. continuity error or what, what, whatever.
0: It might also just be Mogget being Mogget and pumping do, his own tire.
1: Do you think he also then said which coat to get Sam?
0: Probably not. But I could see it being the case. It Like, if... Like, because I don't necessarily buy that he's the one who told the sendings... To do it for Liriel. If he, he did it lie. for Liriel, I could see him also doing it for Sam, because he just spent all this time with Sam, knowing Sam wasn't the Abhorsen and waiting,
1: and enjoying, and, yeah, enjoying his like pain from it.
0: And but and if you remember, Moggett was like very interested in the the frog construct. Yeah. Yeah, like, Moggit knows he, was he has the yeah, he knows he has the skill, the making skill with the charter magic. So it wouldn't surprise me. If Moggit did tell the sendings to get the code for Lyrial, it wouldn't surprise me if he also told them to get the code for Send. So Yeah. Uh I mean is there anything more about Moggit? That you want to add?
1: I was just... No, we're on Sam still.
0: Oh, you have more to say about Sam. Okay.
1: Yeah. So, I guess he very much comes across as... Immature teenage boy. Yep. Which he is. Mm-hmm. Um, but he has these moments. Of bravery, of...
0: Yeah, like when he charges... Skill, at of... At Mask.
1: He has several moments like that where he's... Mm-hmm. He, he's gotten no weapons he's got he charges in you know mm-hmm. like sometimes it's stupid
0: yeah i'm not but, saying he's a coward
1: no but, no i i think he's he is who he is he's he's a young mm-hmm. he's still a kid
0: it just frustrated me that in this book there were no consequences to him refusing to read the book of the dead to refusing to uh, engage with the responsibility. There were consequences. Not substantial ones.
1: He's hurt. Okay. He, he's, he almost died.
0: Yeah, that wasn't. So a almost doesn't mean that's a consequence narratively. And B, he didn't almost die because he refused to read the Book of the Dead. Yeah, he did. He almost died because he was stupid and attacked a couple of constables in an inn.
1: No, he almost died against Clor as well. And had he had the bells, had he read the book, had he had the bells, had he used them.
0: Cool, but there were no lasting consequences to that scene. He didn't die. Everybody else survived. Clor survived. Like, it's just going to get rewound again in the next book. Like, there there was no satisfying fallout from his flaws in this story. That's what I'm talking about. That's why I don't like his character as much.
1: So I will say there are consequences, um, but they are not maybe as emphasized. Like, can you imagine if you thought you had accidentally killed I'm not, I'm
0: not saying that it's unrealistic. I, I'm, I'm not saying that, like, I think it's bad character writing that, that he acts the way he does. I'm saying I was unsatisfied with his character arc.
1: Sure. But it's not over. But also...
0: In this book, I was unsatisfied with his character arc.
1: Okay. I also... But I, I don't agree with the no consequences. I think they were largely mental and spiritual.
0: the lack of reading like so i i disagree with that i think his flaw was a result of the mental and spiritual wounds that he took not uh the cause of them
1: i think he was also tortured this entire time by the the truth that he he didn't read it he didn't he,
0: yeah, Falling he was he was tortured, but there was no satisfying fallout from that. We get to the end of it, and he's just like, "Oh, thank goodness, I don't have to deal with this anymore." That's your problem now, Liriel. Awesome. I'll have my own new problem, but but that problem, washing my hands of it. Like that. That's not a satisfying concluding scene for for me.
1: I'll, I'll say that's fair. Like, the, that's not satisfying. I, I do think the consequences were his, his, his own mental torture. Of keeping up the lies. Of hating himself. Of...
0: That's not a consequence, though. Like, that's... Like...
1: What would you want?
0: I would have wanted some kind of loss it doesn't have to be a death, but something like he screwed up by not reading the book of the dead. So he wasn't prepared to deal with Clore of the mask. And because of that, they got split up or somebody was crippled. Or if, if we had seen a more immediate um, reason for why she was, like attacking the the Sutherlings maybe maybe she was going to use them you know drain their life essence use that power for some dark ritual or something and Sam was the one who who could have dealt with her but because he avoided his duties he couldn't and the ritual succeeded and something really bad happened the bad guys got a boost
1: i mean they do like, get a boost
0: yeah, but not, not directly because of Sam's, you know, like we, we don't really know what was going on with the Sutherlings there other than Clore had a bunch of the dead surrounding them and killing them. And like, were they just going to get used as more yeah, Hedge, night crew Hedge for said, Hedge? Like,
1: yeah, he's at the end of the book.
0: Yeah, like they're, they're- That the, they were on their way. But, but Hedge is also talking about at the end of the book, uh, he's trying to find sailors because the night crew don't work for sailors. That's something different.
1: But he also talks about Chlor.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But like, but so there, there weren't stakes to that. To, to him. Like there, there weren't present and, and consequential stakes to him avoiding the book of the dead. All, all story long. I did like, the The revelation from Mogget, like like how next set set the seeds for that, where Mogget was like, I showed up there because the bells showed up. Yeah, he was like, I knew Sam wasn't really the abhorson waiting, but the bells showed up, and that meant the abhorson waiting was gonna come along soon, and I needed to see who it was. That yeah. was like okay that that was good a, a good foreshadowing. Um, but yeah, Sam, Sam frustrated me as a person, which was good writing on Nix's part. And Sam frustrated me as a a character and narrative tool, which feels like the first real writing criticism I have had of Garth Nix.
1: I could, uh, so I do think there are consequences, but he didn't make it clear on the page here. He could have made higher stakes with this fight with Chlor. Mm-hmm. And he could have told us exactly what was going on here. Yeah. And yeah, you're right there. Like he, he could have made it more dramatic.
0: I will say that whole encounter with Chlor, the 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 setup for it also felt kind of... Weird. Weird, where it was like, they're going down the river. Yeah. And and the dog senses the dead. And then they're just like, well, we better dock and go check it out. And I'm like, why?
1: I found myself there too, like being like, what?
0: Just keep going. You're safe. Like, why
1: are we docking?
0: Yeah. Like You, you already know that n- neither of you are capable of dealing with the dead. Like, lyriel has got the pipes, but they're very limited. And Sam doesn't know how to use the bells. And I... so, like, why would you go investigate the dead if you already know ahead of time that you can't deal with
1: them? Because there were people who were alive who were being chased.
0: But they didn't know that at the time they made that decision. It wasn't until after they were going to pull over that the one dude ran out of the forest and jumped in the river.
1: I guess they had already decided to die. Yeah. huh?
0: So like if, if, if they hadn't had that conversation and they were just like, no, we're going to keep going and hopefully, you know, we can stay far enough away from the shore. And then the guy ran out and jumped in the river and, and they started hearing the screams and then they're like, oh crap, we got to do something. That would have made a lot more sense to me.
1: Yeah. I kind of wonder if there's a scene or something in between. That
0: got cut. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It would make more sense. It no. probably
0: it probably would make more sense.
1: I mean, are you sure they made the decision before they knew there were any life?
0: People? Yeah, because it, it was like it was too far away. They didn't know, and it was just the dog smelling the the dead, the charter magic, the free or free magic rather.
1: Huh? Yeah. It, it, I mean, it did feel weird. Yeah. I was like, "What land? What? Why would you?" You're so close.
0: Right. And they, they had just been talking about, oh, well, like, the boat, the, the finder is, is good and, and can, like, change course and, and keep us away from the shore. Yeah. I don't know. It was, it was, it was a strange strange setup to that scene. Um,
1: you want to talk about Mogget now?
0: Sure. So... <laughs> I, I can't remember if I mentioned this on the first Lirial episode or if I just mentioned it to you in passing. Nick's really leaned into the fish thing <laughs> in this book.
1: You mentioned it in passing. Oh uh,
0: Yeah, like Lauren had made jokes, you know, uh, a running joke basically in our D&D game about Mogget always wanting fish. And I remember when when you first made that, I was like, I mean, that's kind of funny. Like, yeah, because like, he's a cat. I guess I didn't think it was like a thing in the book because it wasn't really <laughs> okay. a thing in Sabriel. Not much, but here it is. It is really driven home. Like Mogget is obsessed with fish.
1: <laughs> I remember him talking about it in the Abhorsen's house in Sabriel. He was... Yeah.
0: But it, he like asks the sendings for, for fish for his dinner. <laughs> yeah. But, but that was just like, okay, like we're, we're getting like a big fancy dinner and they're on a river. So, fish yeah but but here like he will only wake up for fish or or and and he constantly harps on like hey why don't you go catch me a fish why don't you get me a a nice plump trout or like you know
1: so i will say like he's a troll you know he's a troll
0: he is a troll and it
1: was specifically (laughs) when touchstone caught fish
0: yeah, uh, like he would sleep for years, and then Touchstone would show up with a like and catch a, a giant fish. fish, and Mogget's like, "Whoop, <laughs> yoink!" <laughs> so, but yeah, Mogget—he's m- 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 great. He's he's the best. Um,
1: he's a jerk.
0: <laughs> yeah, in, in, in the most wonderfully cat-like way.
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
0: And I genuinely laughed out loud when they get to the house and the sendings show up and one of them grabs the dog's collar and Mogget immediately just streaks through a little cat door under the stairs Okay, he wants to avoid a bath.
1: Here's the only unrealistic part of that. (laughs) He didn't scratch the crap out of Lariel as he's sprinting away off of her shoulders. Off
0: her shoulders, yeah. Look,
1: (laughs) reality is... (laughs)
0: He's a magic. Cat.
1: You're you're bleeding.
0: <laughs> He's a magic cat.
1: in this circumstance.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. There have definitely been times that uh, Severian has been very happily settled on my shoulders or on my lap or on on my chest or whatever, and something <laughs> upsets him and he streaks off. And boy, do those claws come out when he en- engages.
1: <laughs> and you you have scars and holes in your shirt. I and... do. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> okay, so back to he's a jerk. Um,
0: but he's a great jerk.
1: He's such a troll to Sam. Sitting on mm-hmm, top mm-hmm. of the bells.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, he screws with Sam so much.
1: Well, he's he's touched on son.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I... Maybe... Maybe it's just because I don't like Sam as much, but I really enjoyed Mogget trolling him.
1: Tells him he's an idiot the whole time. And
0: I and I liked Mogget's... Like, Mogget was more civil with Lyriel than he even was with Sabriel.
1: Yes. Yes. Like,
0: Mogget was a lot more understanding and encouraging to Lyriel than he ever was in the first book.
1: What do you think would happen if he was a troll with uh, the disreputable dog there? (laughs) (laughs) I don't don't know how much of a choice he has here.
0: I do like that dynamic between them. You know, when they first meet and they just have this hours long stare down on the (laughs) boat. And I don't quite have a sense. Like... I think overall the book makes it feel like the dog has seniority or, or an edge on Mogget for the most part. But there are also times where I feel like Mogget just sort of lays the smack down. And I'm like, I'm, I'm super interested in the dynamic between the two of them and getting more answers uh this is another thing i'll I'll bring up toward the end in terms of predictions that i have uh but
1: so you said mogget lays the smack down
0: just sort of knowledge wise like mogget mogget seems to get events and have a better kind of finger on the pulse of things whereas the dog might have like a, a more raw power
1: do you mean like when they're on the boat and they have archers shooting at them
0: or it's just in general Mogget and Mogget also feels a lot more relaxed in danger like when they're going to deal with the, the dead and Clore and Moggit's just like yeah wake me up if anything dangerous seems like it's gonna happen and then they're, like, freaking out, and Sam's trying to wake up Mogget, and Mogget just sleeps through it. And it's only, like, right at the end that he shows back up to help.
1: Help. Quote-unquote, yeah.
0: quote, help. He was scouting. He's gathering intelligence. But, yeah, like, that that's the the sense I get from him, is he's probably wiser and more knowledgeable than the dog but maybe doesn't have the same raw magical power as the dog i mean he is collared yeah but so is the dog but we we do get it explicitly told here that the dog's collar is different yes that the dog is a he's not a free magic creature bound by charter magic he is just straight up a blend of both she she yeah sorry Um, so, whereas Mogget just is a free magic being, and, yeah.
1: Or is it not that Mogget is more knowledgeable, just Mogget doesn't care? What do you mean? So something happens.
0: Well, no, I feel like Mogget has answers in places the dog doesn't.
1: What do you
0: mean? M- Mogget like Mogget sees to the core of things. Mogget's the one who realized what Lirial was. Mogget's the one who realized what Sam was.
1: You don't think Disreputable Dog knew what Lirial no. was?
0: I'm, I, I think he I keep, I keep calling the Disreputable Dog <laughs> he. Um, I think she had an inkling of what sabriel was uh she certainly knew she was a remembrancer i don't know if i like got any sense of her knowing lyriel was an abhorsen you don't think so i would have to reread but i she
1: can't be a remembrancer if she can't walk in death
0: yeah but walking in death doesn't automatically make you an abhorsen
1: Doing it comfortably does.
0: Unless Abhorsens and Remembrancers are, like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I didn't... We find out at the end of the book here that Remembrancers can only occur when you have an intermingling of Abhorsen and Claire blood, right? Yes. Yeah. But up to that point in the book, we didn't know that.
1: Do you remember... Uh, the point of view we got from the dog when Lirial fought the Stilkin.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, very brief. And she's like, oh, no, I need to let her. She has to do this by herself. Yeah. Okay.
1: You don't think that was the dog, like, seeing further down Lirial's path.
0: I don't know if it was specifically like a future site thing with Lirial so much as a, I know she's special and she needs to discover her powers thing. I don't know how specific the dog's knowledge is. Like, I and, and this is what I mean is I think this book made it clear that Mogget does have specific knowledge and the dog possibly doesn't.
1: We do know that Mogget has been with every single Abhorsen.
0: Yeah, Mogget's been around for thousands of years.
1: And has seen Clore before. Yeah. And has seen Caragor before. And has seen, you know, multiple of these necromancers before. So, yeah, I would buy that he has specific knowledge. Mm -hmm. Because he's met them. And he's seen the dead up and down and up and down, like...
0: And I, I, I don't. Race. I just get the sense that Mogget has more insight than the dog. I, I do think this is Garthnex playing a little bit into stereotypes of the animals themselves. Yeah,
1: yeah. That
0: the cat is crafty and smart, and and
1: the dog is fun loving. The and... dog
0: is fun loving, but physically more powerful. Okay. That, yeah. So but that makes for a really fun dynamic when you add in that they're both uber powerful magical beings. And I really look forward to seeing more of them. There's also like this admonition that there's something about Clore, the 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 undead Clore. The dog turns to Moget and says, "Did you see there was an implication that there was like a mark or something.
1: Right. When, when Sam and Lirial are asleep.
0: Yeah. And, and Mogget says yes. And the dogs like, remember your, where your loyalties lie or something like that.
1: Yes. What do you, what do you think?
0: I'm just going to go into the prediction part of this here. (laughs) Like, so we have the, the five charters, and then there are the seven, and then there are the nine.
1: Do you want me to read it? Sure yeah, there we go.
0: you just really wanted to read it
1: yes <laughs> half for me half for me okay so this is this is from uh Nick's mouth, but it's the thing inside saying it mm-hmm. I'll sing you a song of the long ago. Seven shine the shiners owe. What did the seven do way back when? Why they wove the charter then. Five for the warp from beginning to end. Two for the woof to make and mend. That's the seven, but what of the nine? What of the two who chose not to shine? Mm -hmm. The eighth did hide. Hide all away. But the seven caught him, made him pay. The ninth was strong and fought with might. But lone Aranus was put out of the light, broken in two, buried under hill, forever to lie, forever to lie there, wishing us ill.
0: So Mogget is the eighth. And the dog is one of either the sixth or seventh. And I think Garth Nix got really clever there, making that weaving metaphor warp and woof. What do dogs do? They woof.
1: (laughs) I'm not sure how else to interpret woof other than the dog does.
0: So this is, in this scene, this is the dog who was presumably involved in the binding of uh Moggit as the eighth, saying like, hey, you already know what happened. You got a responsibility. Like
1: And we know that Moggit is spooked
0: yeah.
1: by the events. And
0: and we already know from the first book that Moggit is really not on board with the Greater Dead. Because he he like immediately went after Caragor. Yeah. Despite having an ab horse in, in front of him.
1: Why do you say that the dog is six or seven?
0: Uh warp and woof, five for the warp, two for two for the woof. The dog is the woof.
1: Okay.
0: Um, on top of that, we know there are the five for the charter. And then there were the two that didn't take part in the charter, but still worked with it. And the dog is a mix of free and charter magic. That would be my interpretation of that.
1: Okay. I think you're, I have, I have more information, so I'm not going to say too much. Okay. Okay. So back to what we were talking about, which was Chlor here.
0: Uh, yeah. Like, what is this thing that they identified about her? It, yeah, at this point,
1: her stay with her.
0: Um, like that. I would need to reread that scene to see if there was any identifying thing. I feel like the only bit about her that was given extra detail was the sword. No, but I, like I said, I, I'd have to reread to. With hindsight to look for that.
1: Okay, so what do we know of her in this book?
0: She's super old, and she got beaten by Sabriel, and then presumably brought back by Hedge.
1: What about at the beginning? Of the book?
0: She thought she was going to be in charge, and she went down, and she got the smackdown from Oranis. She
1: serves Oranis. Yeah. But... Do you remember what Hedge said?
0: No, not specifically.
1: He, I mean, he knew when she came back up.
0: That she'd been given the smackdown. Because she didn't go down intending to serve, and then she came back up being like, okay, I serve.
1: Right, but I think he even says she was marked and he could tell.
0: Oh, I don't remember that. I mean, we know Hedge has like this weird non-charter mark. Yes. But Clore's got the mask on and doesn't have a body anymore. Right. So unless like that the, the Oranis mark uh is somehow like magically visible through the mask or on the mask because she's incorporeal.
1: Mm-hmm. But I don't
0: remember Sam specifically mentioning anything on her forehead. Yeah.
1: Well, wh- I mean, how is Nick connected?
0: To Oranis?
1: Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, you do.
0: Oh, he's got the sliver of metal in him, huh? Oh, right. Okay. Hmm. Okay.
1: I mean, we don't know that it's a sliver for Chlor because obviously it's much more powerful in Nick and I think it needed a, a body like Nick's, not like Chlor's.
0: Yeah. And Hedge originally wanted Sam as the host, not right. Nick.
1: Yeah. Right. And I'm not convinced Chlor. It's
0: clearly taking a toll on Nick's body. Very much.
1: I'm not convinced Chlor was dead at that time.
0: At which time?
1: At the beginning of the book.
0: No, the beginning of the book was like years earlier and it was in the intervening time that she ran into Sabriel. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Do we have any other things about characters to talk about here?
1: Uh, do you want to talk about Elamir, Sabriel, Touchstone?
0: We didn't get anything. Like, Sabriel and Touchstone are totally off-screen for this half of the book. Elamir, the only thing we get from her is the letter. Letter. The messenger hawk. um, Which feels like her typical efficient self.
1: I guess the book as a whole. I'm trying to... Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, we like, kind of already predicted the Southerlings. Well, right. Sad journey.
0: That was yeah. That that was pretty obvious
1: from um, from
0: the moment we heard about that. I don't. Yeah, I don't think I have anything other. I mean, Hedge, I can, I can just say for for Nick. Um. I didn't realize he was. Like there was such a an immediate subterfuge with him that like he his insistence on magic not being real is allowing Hedge to manipulate him this way. Yes. like I, I just expected him to be fully under magical sway and yeah. like unaware of what's going on. but but it seems like when he's not being directly controlled, he is oh totally aware. He thinks he's getting sick, but he's just been bamboozled by Hedge, and that's kind of like rough to read. Uh, I I hope we do get some more Nick points of view in the last book because I think there's a a pretty cool conflict that you could get into there. Of him having to overcome his innate intellectual prejudices. Yeah. But I don't know if Nyx is really all that interested in making that a central thing. Because that would add a a third main point of view character.
1: You're saying it would add too much time to the next book?
0: Yeah, probably.
1: Okay. Um, Let's see. I will say with Nick, I kind of think if he didn't, if he weren't fooling himself, maybe he would have been overcome by now. Like, there's some sense of fight hmm. in him.
0: I, I do think there's a sense of fight. I don't know if it's because of his ignorance, though.
1: I think this is part of what's keeping him going.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Okay.
1: And and he is he is interesting. I love how he ends this letter, where he's like, Sam, you gotta help me. My head's growing way too big. You gotta, like, smack me down. I mean, there, there
0: is a bit of self-awareness there. Um, yeah like I I, I and like always, Nick
1: well there's always humor too like even in this letter yeah, right, a where bit he's of really self-deprecating sick self-deprecating
0: humor yeah
1: not just self-deprecating but like he's he seems like such a fun guy
0: hmm. yeah okay well um, I don't think I have anything else on characters Shall we? Shall we talk? Just you know, anything miscellaneous you want,
1: and predictions.
0: I have already done my two big ones now. Just through the course of it, I still think there's strong potential for major character deaths here. I I said that at the beginning, like halfway through this, because I was expecting this to be a self-contained story like I said, and there would be like a time jump and then Abhorson would be another story. Um, But knowing that these are like two parts of the same, now I really expect um, a major character death or two here because we have twice as much time for Nyx to spend with these characters and build them up and, and get them in positions for deaths to hurt as much as possible. And look, Jeez. this is a, this is a series about death.
1: Yeah.
0: Like, so that, that is always present as a consequence. Yeah.
1: Hmm. What, what about like, what do you predict happens with Hedge and Uranus and...
0: I mean... They'll be defeated. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it would be a pretty crazy trilogy if he did end with the bad guys winning.
1: Well, it is something that the Claire has seen.
0: It's yeah, one of their many possibilities. I mean, there's a meta reason for me saying this, too, and that's like I'm very active in fantasy literature forums and people constantly ask for recommendations where the bad guys win, and I've never seen this series mentioned for that. Oh, I
1: see. Okay. (laughs) I see. But
0: also, like, there are very, very few series where an author does that because narratively, it's super difficult to make that satisfying. And like I've never gotten the sense from Garth Nix that he's trying to subvert genre- tropes and expectations to that extent so yeah uh but it's 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 never really like about are the good guys gonna win or not it's what are the consequences of victory gonna be so
1: okay
0: yeah shall we do favorite scenes
1: Ugh, I am struggling.
0: Do you want me to go first?
1: Yeah, I guess so.
0: Okay. Well, my third favorite is that final final chapter, Lunch at the Abhorson's House. Um, <laughs> specifically what I mentioned already, though, the way Nyx handled Lirial's emotional response. It wasn't necessarily the revelations so much as how she engaged with them, how you know, how he he managed to make that feel like a powerfully emotional moment when she turns and bows to the sendings and tears finally fall. It was.
1: Yeah. I kind of I felt that. I felt that. Yeah. Okay, so I think my third favorite is going to be the scene at the hospital. Oh, okay. With Touchstone Mm -hmm. and Sam.
0: Okay. That was a really funny scene.
1: (laughs) Not only that, but um, I don't know. It's a a good scene. We get some real time with Touchstone, Mm -hmm. and we get to see Sam and Touchstone's relationship for the first time yep um and like it's just i don't know it's, it's a beautiful moment where sam like sam could have died he probably would have
0: mm-hmm. if
1: he'd been left there by himself yeah and here he is like drowning and his dad reaches out and grabs his hand
0: Okay.
1: I don't know. It's 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 sweet. Yeah,
0: for sure. Okay. Well, my second favorite scene, also uh, an emotionally affecting moment, was uh, Lyriel's departure from the glacier, where I feel like so there's there's absolutely a a bitterness to it. She knows that no matter what anybody says, she's not going back. But at the same time it was nice to see Sanar and Rael try to comfort her and try to make her understand that despite her differences she's still part of the family. I liked that.
1: Oh, that is... That is a really touching moment. Yeah. I mean, I felt that from the time they found her under the glacier.
0: Yes. Yeah, they kind of try to go to bat for her when when the guards say she's not allowed in the observatory. And, and they're like, she needs to be blindfolded. and
1: And they're like, are you serious? This is our sister.
0: Yeah. Okay, your second favorite?
1: Um. I think I'm going to do Lyril's Path. Okay. Like, from the time she sees that this stairway is labeled that Mm -hmm. And there's a a door that, like, will only open if the sending senses her blood. Yeah. Otherwise, it's set to kill. Yeah. And the dog already knows. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, it's a beautiful moment of finally something being about her, for her. Yeah. Instead of being excluded like she has all her life, she is the one who's wanted. She is the special one. Nobody else has her path.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh that was actually my favorite. That was my number 1. Oh. Um although for not not entirely the same reasons i liked the kind of mad rush of it all where it starts off right as this just kind of exploration and then they hit a sort of point of no return and from there yeah like that was that sequence was probably the fastest i read anything in this book like i i was just ripped along with it Down, 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 going through these doors and finding new things and, you know, having to cross the river and, and then ultimately finding this table with, with the book and, and the pipes and, and the dark mirror. And it was like, it was a, I, I remember finishing that and thinking like, wow, we should have just ended right there for the first half. Although it did still end on a, a good spot with Sam. But but I remember turning that page and going back to Sam and being like, oh. ugh. <laughs> uh, because it was such a just an intense sequence. Thought it was really well done.
1: It was intense. And it was really touching to me. Like I remember there are points where Lirial turns to the disreputable dog and is like for me there are plenty of Lirials. and like yeah, just she's
0: like there have been other Lirials.
1: She keeps dismissing it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the yeah. dog is like No, you you well, are Keep important.
0: going. Keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So your favorite?
1: My favorite is the the scene with the surcoats okay and and actually like I even bookmarked one spot so not only do we find out that Lyriel is for sure the abhor in waiting
0: mm-hmm.
1: but that Sam is a wallmaker. And more than that, uh, I love, and was surprised by, what Mogget says here. So... Liriel's kind of talking to herself on how she's like a sightless Claire, a freak, who doesn't belong. And Mogget says, You belong here. I am the oldest servant of the Avhorsens, and I feel it in my very marrow. The Sendings, likewise, look look at the way they cluster there, just to see you. Look at the charter lights that burn brighter above you than anywhere else. This whole house and its servants welcome you, Liriel. So will the Abhorsen and the king, and even your niece, Elamir. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: This is very unlike Moggit. Yeah. But not only that, it, it adds so much to... The scene here for Lirial. Sure. Like, this is the moment where we start to, she starts to look around and get emotional.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's like what we said earlier where it's a new emotion for her that she doesn't know how to handle. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Ah, I love that part.
0: Nice. Nice. Well, I think that Uh, wraps up our book discussion but as always we have some beer discussion we have a final draft to go over um what are you drinking lauren
1: okay so i've got a beer from crooked beach brewing company and that's beach as in b-e-e-c-h tree um where are they from i was getting there oh Drew, they're in Loveland.
0: Really? Interesting. I've never heard of this this company. Yeah, me neither. Crooked Beach. They're right down the road from us.
1: I wonder if they took over this place from somebody else.
0: Oh, maybe. Like Crowhop? Huh. Maybe. I don't know. Interesting.
1: Well, it's 7% alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of beer? It's a hazy IPA.
0: That's a hazy IPA. Not very hazy. Shh. It's fine. Okay. It's
1: ha- I mean it's it's not clear. How about that?
0: That's a hazy IPA.
1: Drew, you're kind of partial.
0: <laughs> no, I'm 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 doing the, the standard like beer evaluation. I don't look at that and think hazy IPA.
1: How like, well can is... you see through it?
0: I mean, ish.
1: Really? Because I can't see through it.
0: I was when it was sitting right there. Uh, I I was like looking through it at different angles, and I could like see the edge of my phone and see the books.
1: Okay, so I will say he he's right. It's not as hazy as your typical hazy IPA. Yeah, and it is for it's, sure darker.
0: Yeah, it's definitely dark.
1: They. It's not
0: like a stout darkness, but it's it's like a. A goldenrod kind of rather than a like a pale yellow
1: yeah and when I poured the last of the can there were definitely like some pieces in there that I can now see floating yeah it's either yeast or well no I'm pretty sure it's yeast
0: how's the flavor I haven't tried this so you haven't? No.
1: Oh. It's it's pretty good. I definitely it definitely tastes a little darker and I kind of maybe because of the color expect it to be more west coasty.
0: Okay. Can I have a sip? While you talk?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's got some roastier malt. And I don't get the usual Hazy hops like the citro mosaic eldorado, which are Mm-mm. can all contribute those very fruity flavors.
0: It's not super fruity, but it's also not super piney. No, interesting. It's it really almost has a little sweetness to it,
1: yeah. And so, I was trying to find the date that it was canned on, and I don't see anything. Because sometimes that sweetness comes in because it's a little older. Yeah. Um, but I don't know when it was canned. So hmm. maybe it's had some drop-off where it's, we lost some of the initial hop character.
0: Yeah, definitely could be.
1: I mean, there is a little bit of like astringent dryness on my tongue, but... Um, Also, head retention is not amazing. Uh, Very little foam from the time I poured it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I do still get some hop aroma and then like caramel, malty.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
1: Okay. Uh, This beer is called Immortal Essence.
0: Yep pretty good pretty good
1: we got a few things that fit
0: yeah i mean the first thing i think of is this oranus figure who's been chilling for for a long time biting his days but also the dog and the cat yep you know yeah well uh i have also been drinking a hazy ipa uh this is from ex novo brewing company in corrales new mexico 7.3 percent. so it's a hazy ipa double dry hopped with citra and azaka
1: yeah
0: um it's it's pretty good i do think it's dropped off a little bit and this one does have a date on the can it was canned in october so yeah, of it's course been a,
1: it's dropped off it's been a while in fact um, that's but it,
0: it does it does still have like, I get that Citra coming through. I don't know Azaka, but this does have the it's a New Zealand, mm. okay, because this this does still have some of that like, like orange Julius kind of yeah. East Coast IPA. Can,
1: can I try it?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You mean mm. New England? Same thing yeah i smell oj
0: yeah yeah it's it's pretty orangey
1: but i smell it more like they added
0: it uh i don't think this is no doesn't say they added anything at least <laughs> uh but this is a another uh, great one this is called spirits of the dead nice yeah. And the labels, uh, it's pretty cool, like kind of hieroglyphic looking label art. It's a black background with gold and red stenciling, and it's a series of skulls with a dagger, like a ruby hilted dagger going down through the top of the skull and coming out through the mouth, dripping blood from the end. <laughs> it is, it's pretty, pretty on point for the abhorst of books here
1: i remember meeting these guys at gabf oh really yeah yeah i definitely stopped by their
0: booth Mm -hmm. ex novo yeah i didn't recognize the the name
1: um i will say so because this was canned in october Mm -hmm. um there's definitely some of the like papery characteristic
0: a little bit of oxidation exactly yeah yeah,
1: uh, but, but still, like,
0: like, I, I liked it. I've I've had five-month-old IPAs before that I liked much less than this.
1: <laughs> and honestly, with an IPA, it's very hard to have, especially hazy, have long-term shelf stability.
0: Yeah, for sure. So, well, I think that brings us to the end of this episode of Inking Out Loud. This has been, I think, Episode 216? Let me double check here. Yeah, 216. Um, Next up, we are planning on going into The Tainted Cup by Robert Jackson Bennett. Uh, We are actually recording this episode on release day. Oh. Uh, Today is February 6th, and The Tainted Cup is out. Uh, I hope everybody checks the book out. I've already read it. I, I got lucky enough to get an advanced review copy and it is a ton of fun i'm really excited to cover it on the show here obviously we're we're fans of robert jackson bennett on inking out loud we've done divine cities and the founders trilogy but uh yeah so we're gonna be going into the tainted cup and we got some some fun stuff planned after that keep your keep your uh you know eyes peeled for goodies like Finally, eventually, us getting to the Sunlit Man (laughs) (laughs) that we've been promising for months and just haven't gotten around to. We will get to it. I promise.
1: You know, we stalled in the initial read, too.
0: Mm, I didn't.
1: No, I mean, mean like, (laughs) we didn't help with Sunlit.
0: Oh, we didn't do the Gamma Read for Sunlit.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: But when I got the, when the secret Projects came through, I read Sunlit Man third. So I, I I did the beta read for Frugal Wizard, and then I read Tress second, because you already had it. And then Sunlit was the next one, when I actually had to ask for the others. That was the first one I, I went for.
1: I think I did two, and then Yumi third.
0: Probably yeah, yeah. But anyway, uh, so yeah, next up is gonna be the Tainted Cup. Uh, we are doing you know the usual over on Patreon. If you want to support the show there, very much appreciate it. Um, it's it's been a an ongoing evolution, and I'm settling back into a rhythm with that. So thank you to all of our supporters there. It is what is. It keeping the show going right now as always i have been your host drew mccaffrey and with me is my special guest lauren mccaffrey
1: gross guys
0: nice thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time